Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. There's another excellent run forward by Martinelli from one side to the other. And he pulls it back, it's 2-0! It's a tap-in for Kai Havertz, and this is one-way traffic at the Emirates for the Gunners. No, not half. That is a short-pass goal. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. So, after midweek disappointment... The Arsenal bounce back in style, smashing Newcastle 4-1 at the Emirates to reflect on the game. I'm joined by Adrian Clark and James McNicholas. Morning. Morning. Morning, Ian. James, I saw your uh, uh, little report from outside the ground. That is fraught, by the way, I must say. I mean, so far you haven't had any major incidents. People shouting, let's do this at you, obviously, every 10 seconds. But aside <laughs> from that, nice work, by the way. Thanks, man. I mean, my eardrums are suffering for it a little bit, but apart from that, it's all good fun. Yeah. It's all very exciting. I like that. I like that on the spot, live reporting. Where um, is it? Where is it? Where were you, James, when you did this? I haven't seen I it. I am, this, you know, so I come out of uh, gate C, which is where my season ticket is block six, and then it's the steps down, uh, where that ramp goes down to where the armoury is. Yeah, I'm just yeah. on those steps there. Nice. Uh, now that's public information, I'm going to get even more people sort of bombing <laughs> Video. I've realised we haven't helped here <laughs> yeah. at all. But anyway, anyway, that's where he is. Gate, gate C, on the steps, go and say hello when James is next doing one of his live broadcasts. Uh, not live, I mean, he's standing there, obviously. Uh, anyway, Arsenal really went all out on Saturday night. I mean, uh, uh, it's all written down here. I wasn't there, of course, by the way, because it was Saturday night. And being a working comedian, that's sort of a work night for me. Um, but it was all buy one, get one free beers, brass band on the concourse pre-match light show flags and all that we were wondering if you're in charge of planning pre-match what would you organize to get the atmosphere going now can i just say at this point that nothing beats a whole day of drinking i feel for getting the atmosphere going because i mean as far as i could see and and from reports from mates and my son who was there everybody was pissed but uh, i might be wrong about that adrian what do you think what gets the, what gets the atmosphere going aside from day a day of drinking well you're you're factually correct clearly um it was brilliant by the Way as, as I came out of, of the ground, they were going, doing that one, na, 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 and everyone was going mental in the sort of club level bit. It was, it was, it was awesome. Uh, Love the level. flags. Goodness, <laughs> if yeah. they go mental in club level, know. we know it's a goodie. <laughs> yeah, right? no. The yeah. flags were brilliant. I thought pre-match. Do you know what? I've seen something in action that that works. I have, and it wasn't that long ago, and it was it was Arsenal related, and that was Ian Stone came on and did a warm up ahead of our live show uh, in London's West End, oh, and he got oh, the crowd going, didn't he? Pish and pish. I <laughs> mean, know? thank you and everything. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to do that in front of sixty thousand. Can you imagine the abuse? Oh, Could man. you imagine? Anyway, were you were you there? Were you there years ago when the Shaman? Played that played live, you know Monday Night Football. 
They, they, one, you know, it was oh, a yeah. gimmick, wasn't it? The way they put I wasn't a band there, on. But I've seen it. Oh I've my god, it, yeah. they got yes. absolutely ripped. And I think, I think, yeah, any any comedian that tries to do a warm up set at Emirates might struggle. But the only one that's ever worked is the 1974 Cup final when Bruce Forsyth went on yeah. for Newcastle and Liverpool, and he did well. You know, <laughs> good game, good game, and all that. It's sort of perfect. And then he ran off and had a shot. But I mean, anyone else? I think I think you're on a hiding to nothing. Maybe Michael McIntyre could do it, but not Arsenal, obviously, because he's Spurs. James, what about you? What would get the atmosphere going? Well, I mean, it was pretty spectacular Saturday night. Uh, they even had fire, Ian, as the players fire. came out on the pitch. Fire. <laughs> it was... Isn't that a health and safety issue? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I actually didn't catch most of the Carabao Cup final, but I'd be surprised if the build-up was anything like as impressive as what Arsenal produced for Newcastle on Saturday night. But I was thinking, what was missing? Like, what could you add just to bring even more spice and enjoyment to the evening? And I've gone for penguins. <laughs> like, just a bunch of performing penguins in the centre circle. Not the chocolate biscuit. Is Not what the chocolate. I... Give those out as well, because <laughs> I think that's going to raise people's spirits. But okay. I just imagine some little penguins flapping around, doing some tricks maybe. Like going down a slide or something like that. Great. <laughs> of all the things, I've got to be honest at this point, James, of all the things I thought you were going to suggest, penguins is not the very top of my list. No. I would, if we're going down that way, I'd say pandas, actually, because no, who doesn't love a panda? I mean, it's beautiful. <laughs> Harder to get hold of, I think, pandas, as a rule. <laughs> That's true. If we play like a pre-season in Beijing... They'll probably have a couple, right? Yeah. Or maybe uh, at, at that point. But uh, other than that, anyway, um, penguins or me, or, or I, th- I still think booze is the best option, to be honest with you. And that seems to be what worked. And it did work, didn't it? I mean, I, mean, I, I watched this game in a very weird way, by the way. So I had a gig. So I watched the first 10 minutes and I had to go on. And I sort of, obviously I was thinking about what I was doing, but I was also watching the game. And what I noticed there was, I just looked at the screen a couple of times in the pub and I was in around in the, the back area and you could see the intensity with which they started. I mean, the first minute, I mean, we know in the Porto game, Saliba misplaced the pass, Rice got booked, Newcastle, they were at it, weren't they, Adrian? They were absolutely at it from the first minute. Yeah, I, I'd give Kai Havertz a bit of credit here as well, actually. There was a couple of things he did in the first two or three minutes that really set the tone. The first one was from the kickoff. We go back to Raya, who, who booms it long, and he just smashes someone out of the way, says, give it to me, controls it on his chest, gives it to Martinelli, wins a corner. Straight away, we're onto the front foot. We've got things going. Then I think two minutes and a bit into the game, he makes a sprint from kind of the right wing position to go and close down the keeper. And then he carries on his run and goes to close down uh, Fabian Scher. And he takes the ball off him and the crowd just love it. They sort of, it was lift off. And that just sort of set the tone for what we saw for the rest of the game. We, Yeah, our pressing was brilliant. We won the ball. 14 times in the final third, which is a season high. And and it doesn't surprise me because we were relentless. Uh, absolutely loved the attitude. And, and that's, that's what you've got to do. When you have a visiting team come, you've got to make it hell for them. And I think we did. Yeah. I mean, I mean James, you know, this whole thing, obviously the atmosphere was great on Saturday night, but they but the crowd need the players to respond straight away, don't they? Because as Adrian said, 
Kai Havertz brings the ball down, then he goes and closes the goalkeeper down, then he wins a tackle against Fabian Scher or closes him down, and the crowd are right up for it straight away. And then and it, the whole thing, there's a sort of synergy going on there, isn't there, really? Yeah, totally. It's a symbiotic relationship. They're sort of feeding each other. And, you know, that atmosphere can dissipate pretty quickly if it's a, a lackadaisical performance, you know. But I, I think maybe... The players and the fans both had in mind this fixture last season where Newcastle were able to kill a lot of time, slow the game down. Then you bear in mind the fact that we're coming from Porto, who are kind of master exponents of that in the Champions League. I think there was that sense that every second, every opportunity had to be made to count. Um, and the team absolutely delivered in that respect. It was a fast start, one that put Newcastle immediately on the back foot. And it, this was a suffocating performance from Arsenal. You know, Newcastle... You know, yes, previously they've been a a well-organised team. Not of late. Their defence has been a bit of a problem for them in recent weeks. But we're used to them seeing off for a bit of threat on the counter-attack. There was really very, very, very little for them in this game because Arsenal completely dominated the territory, the possession. I think we've said that a few times about this team this season, but I don't know if I remember a game where they were quite so dominant as this one. No, I mean, I think suffocate's the right word as well. I mean, Newcastle really couldn't breathe, could they? And... Martin Erdegaard leading the press, right? He is obviously the trigger. Um, I mean, Adrian, in some ways it makes sense, doesn't it? Because he's the most creative guy on the field. He knows what's going on. He knows when the right time to press is. But even still, being the most creative hub and at the same time also being the most aggressive and he's tearing forward, so fit, so committed. And it, I mean, as much as people talk about Declan Rice being being captain material and there's various others on the pitch, Martin Erdegaard is the captain of this team and he leads him, doesn't he? Oh, he really does. Yeah, he's, he's, he's brilliant at it. And I think the message that he sends out is, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. You know, it's, yes. it's one yes. of those. He's, he's a brilliantly creative talent, yet he's also insatiably hardworking and prepared to roll up his sleeves and, and muck in. And I won't, for, you know, I can't forget that, that time he won the ball inside the box. He went, again, it comes out from the keeper to, to the left side centre-back, Botman, and he sprints from the middle of the pitch all the way to the left-back slot to basically win the ball and and, and yeah. you know it, it's all it's amazing and it just rubs off on everybody else he's, he's, he's a very good leader very natural leader I think Martin um, huge fan <laughs> of course amazing and Adrian one more thing about what James said about last season's game and also the game at St James's I mean Martin Erdegaard mentioned it on match of the day that was a motivating factor for all the players, all the staff and the fans as well. We all felt a bit gutted and a bit robbed by what, what happened uh, at St. James's, And I think I think we took it personally, didn't oh, we? Yeah, we did. And, and do you know what? I think it's one of Mikel Arteta's great strengths, actually, is that he's really sort of, he doesn't forget. He's, he's on it. He really cares about things like this. And when he's wrong... Man can bear a grudge. When he's wrong, <laughs> wrong, he does bear a grudge and he won't let it go until that has been avenged. And and he he was probably partly behind the big push for the atmosphere, for the for, for all of the razzmatazz ahead of the game. There was a hype video. I know Commission, one of the rappers, uh, Gets, came on our show. He, he produced a hype video that sort of goes on the big screen. You know, things like that are, are small margin gains, aren't they? And it just makes a difference. He loves, he love, he's built this connection through partly great football, 
but also he's fostered that that relationship between the fans. He's pressed the right buttons at the right times, and and it was a no brainer to to focus on the two previous games against Newcastle just to get that extra five percent fire. Yeah, I, I thought the atmosphere and all the work that Arsenal put into that was tremendous, and you know the, the club commissioned a lot of all these flags that we saw in the stands. Listen, Newcastle's a big game, but I couldn't help but think that in some respects, this is a dress rehearsal as well for hopefully one or more Champions League knockout games on the horizon. You know, when Porto comes to the Emirates Stadium, we're going to have their one goal lead to overturn. It's going to need to be a massive atmosphere that night. And I think Arsenal will have learned a lot about things they can do to implement and encourage that for that massive Champions League game. Quite. Uh, two more set-piece goals. And what is that now, Adrian, by the way? 19, is it? I think it's officially 19. I, I think we might have scored from slightly more, but sometimes they don't count if something else happens. Not even sure if the bottom own goal counted, even though it came, very much came from a corner. But yeah, officially 19. Yeah, We're a menace on set pieces, aren't we? There's no doubt about it. Um, there were some comments from Jamie Carragher. Not, by the way, that he was commentating on our game. <laughs> he was commentating <laughs> on the game between two other teams that had nothing to do with us at all. And he was moaning because uh, Virgil van Dijk had a goal disallowed because uh, Endo basically stood in an offside position and blocked off Levi Colwell, who was going to get back and possibly challenge van Dijk. But we don't know for sure. And he was comparing it to the Arsenal boys. James... That's not what we do. They're not the, the boys stand in an offside position. They don't block. They get back in position before the free kick's taken. Exactly. They start offside, and then as the ball struck, they all make sure they're back onside. It, it's more about kind of deceiving the opposition and trying to cause disorganisation in their line. I mean, there is you know a bit of nonsense that goes on. That seems to be principally Ben White's role, getting around the goalkeeper on corners and making a nuisance of himself. Love him. Yeah, and God love him for it. But yeah, I don't know if it quite works. Um, maybe Jamie's still feeling a bit salty about Arsenal beating Liverpool the other week in the league. I don't know. It was factually wrong what he said. Honestly, I think yeah, it we was. might be in his head. What do you yeah, reckon? I, well, hopefully that'll continue, uh, to be honest with you. Because like I say, we weren't even playing in the Carabao Cup final. Yeah. Let's have a moment to laugh at Chelsea, by the way. <laughs> I mean, it's great. I mean, you can't lose to a Liverpool under 14. It's pretty embarrassing, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. It is. I mean, I'm, nobody wants to celebrate the old Klopp nonsense that's going on and we'll hear nothing else for the next five months in the media. But even still, it's always funny when Chelsea lose when they've spent a billion quid. Jorginho and Havertz. James, Jorginho in that midfield sort of role allows Declan Rice a little bit more space to get forward. I mean, I mean, I've seen various people talking about Moises Caicedo and how much Chelsea paid uh, for him. And we ended up with Jorginho. I mean, we got the better end of the deal, didn't we? I mean, I wish he was a bit younger, personally. Well, yeah, certainly. And look, I think Caicedo is a really good player. And in time at Chelsea, he, he may prove himself. It's I actually feel for the likes of Mudrick and Caicedo have gone in there. It's such a chaotic environment, no stability. There's been a change of manager. You know, I think coming to Arsenal would have been a very different proposition for either of those players and context is everything. And they may have been better playing for us because, like you say, in a less unpredictable environment. That being said, Jorginho, he's a big game player, isn't he? I mean, we bring him in for these big games. He's obviously got... Bags of experience, won the European Championships with Italy, won the Champions League with Chelsea. I mean, he's a very calming influence. Yeah, I, I think he's been an excellent acquisition. I think he's 
so reliable for Mikel Arteta and the games he picks him for tell their own story in some respects. I, I wonder if he sort of toyed with the idea of playing him on, on Wednesday and Saturday this week, just because I think when it is a big game, he does so often lean on Jorginho. I thought it was fascinating as well to see him playing at the base of the midfield in this game, you know, against Liverpool, he was a bit higher up, slightly more towards the left-hand side. What's, I think, really encouraging is that him and Declan Rice seem to have a really good understanding, a good kind of partnership when they play together. And it provides a really solid foundation for the two. And and Adrian, Thomas Partey, as, as always, reportedly close to returning. I mean, if he's fit, does he come back in for those big games or would you have Jorginho? I mean, it's difficult because obviously we don't know how fit he is. And and Thomas Partey from first half of last season was one of the best players in the Premier League. And and I was looking forward to seeing him and Declan Rice together. But actually, the way Jorginho has been playing, I'd be happy with him to be there. Yeah, I think most people would. I think, yeah, Thomas Partey's got the highest ceiling, hasn't he, in terms of what he can offer physically to the team but I think the manager would probably want to take a look at Thomas in some of the other games to see what his form's like before put him in straight into a big Champions League night or City away or whatnot whatnot I just think Jorginho is the the safe bet at the moment um it worked yeah. great in this game because the way Newcastle sort of set up with their midfield they had Guimaraes as the, as the base and then Erdegaard and Rice really was sort of looked after by Longstaff and Miley, which just left Jorginho free. You know, Isak didn't really want to drop back onto his toes and he, he just ran the game. I mean, no one came close to making more passes, but it, in every area of the pitch, because it wasn't just in front of the back four. He made the most passes in the opposition half, the most passes in the final third. He he was kind of everywhere between the width of the 18-yard boxes. So, yeah, I thought it was a masterful performance. That pass for Gabriel Martinelli with that darting run across the box yeah, was yeah, just beautiful. delightful. And he's playing brilliantly. And, and yeah, you want him in the team, don't you, for these big nights or big games. And I think the same goes for Kai Havertz, James. Um, another another 60 million down the drain, Kai Havertz scores again and all that. I mean, he, and he probably should have had more than one, or he definitely, in fact, should have had more than one. But his overall contribution, as we were talking about at the start of the podcast, he set the tone to a certain extent, bringing it down and, and doing what he does, holding the ball up. I'm starting to really like watching him play. Uh, I've genuinely gone from, oh my God, him, to he might be one of my favourite players at this point. Well, we, you know, him and Jorginho, we rescued them, didn't we, from the basket case of Chelsea. So they're just <laughs> repaying us for that. You know, they're just very, very grateful at this point in time. <laughs> well, good it. on him. Good on him. Uh, Adrian, I mean, yeah, he's a strong Kai boy. Havertz, he's yeah. doing great. He's a strong boy. But he's also, we talked on the start uh, the start of the season about how he didn't have the confidence to make those runs into those areas. The, 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 the goal that he scored, oh. you know, he ran into an area. That's where strikers are meant to go on the off chance that Martinelli pulls it back there. And he arrives and it all looks perfect, but that's because he's made one of those counterintuitive runs where he doesn't know if the ball's going to arrive. He's brainy. He's a, he's a brainy footballer. People don't realise that. And, you know, he, he's always been a clever, clever footballer. And, yeah, as soon as the ball goes over his head to Martinelli, he spins and he does a sort of C-shaped run into the centre of the box, that position of maximum opportunity. And, and Martinelli, you know, picks him out. He doesn't disappoint. Um, he should have scored a second, clearly. But again, peeled off his marker lovely, was played in 
for the one v one. It's a bad miss, isn't it? Just after half time, but but then I, th- I think he kind of made up for it with with his involvement in the Saka goal. If you cast your mind back, Newcastle have the ball. There's nothing really happening. They look to play it into midfield. He drops off, reads the pass, intercepts it. And from there on, we, 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 we produce that sort of turnover and him and Declan Rice basically go up top, link together, feed Saka and he does the rest. So, you know, without Havertz making that interception, we maybe don't score that third goal. And that third goal absolutely put the game to bed. So Killed it, I thought he yeah. was, I thought he's really good Havertz in the game. And I think the fan, I, I'm noticing the difference, you know, especially in the fans that we get in the, in the breakdown live box. There was a lot of doubts earlier on in the season as we all, you know, shared. And now, now everyone's really, really enjoying what they're seeing. No, quite. Uh, one other player I want to talk about. Well, there's a few I want to talk about, but we'll do one now. Jakub Kivior. I mean, I said during the Porto game that I thought Zinni was definitely being missed in terms of his ability to link the play a bit further forward. But he stepped up now, hasn't he, Jakub Kivior, when we've needed him. James, I mean, he... We heard a lot about him when he joined. Robert Lewandowski saying he's one of the most talented players he'd seen. But now he's he's getting up to the pace of things a little bit better. He is a definite option, isn't he? Yeah, and I think the role's been adjusted to suit him as well and play to his strengths and, you know, disguise maybe some of his areas where he's not as strong. I think Zinchenko is brilliant at what he does you know in terms of progressive passing there are a few as good as him in the Premier League but this change with Kivior coming in has seen a bit of a a tinkering really with the, the way in which we build up the play and it's something that's really worked you know Ben White's role has changed and adapted as a consequence you know we're seeing him playing inside as well as outside um, and it's shifted up a little bit kind of the nature of that triangle between White Odegaard and Saka there's a kind of slightly new dynamic to it and a lot of the time I think previously we were sort of like don't change that it works but these little adjustments seems to be bringing the best out of that flank so I think it's going to be really interesting I mean Kivio you could argue he's the fourth choice left back right you've got um, Zinchenko Timber Tommy Asu but that pecking order is certainly up for debate right now yeah, the competition, it's good at the moment. And obviously with a couple of other players coming back. Um, Adrian, are we also seeing Mikel Arteta's progress and development as a coach as well? The way that things are being tinkered with? Because obviously teams watched us last year and 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 we were impressive for quite a, a, a bit of the season and it all fell away, partly because we felt we got worked out and there was a certain feeling about that earlier in the season. But this team now seems to have taken a step forward again. Massive, I think, a big step forward. It's about this. Se- this is the season of variance in Mikel Arteta's eyes. Last season we didn't really have a lot of it, but this this year he's constantly tinkered with little modifications, and it's no surprise really if you look back, you know, in hindsight and say, of course, it was going to take time for it to become fluent. But now it is. We have different ways of playing. You know, they've got the Havertz and Erdegaard sort of twin false nine thing. You've got Trossard playing playing up there, doing a switch up with, with Havertz sometimes. You've got the Rice, Jorginho, Axis as well. It, it's really, really interesting. Just building on what James said there, without having that predictable Zinni in central midfield inversion, we, 
we're sort of using two or three different ways of building out from the back of every game now. Um, sometimes it's white. Sometimes you'll see Erdegaard drop in and, and play alongside Jorginho or Rice. We saw that a lot at Burnley. And what that does, it leaves your fullbacks high and wide, which stretches play. And I think when, when he wants to stretch play, that's what they'll do. You know, in this game, it was Rice who would naturally join in alongside um, Jorginho when needed. So, yeah, it's um, Arteta is very, very sharp, isn't he? I, I think tactically. And 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 I, I would say that we're way ahead tactically in terms of uh, of the what we can do as a team, variety wise than we were this time last year. So and I think personnel wise we're we're stronger too. So we're equipped. We're equipped to to last the course. We just got to hope hope that we can this time. <laughs> well, quite. Uh, this <laughs> is handbrake off the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. They get a handbrake off and you can see that they are more free to play. Ian Stone, Adrian Clark, and James McNicholas on the Athletics Arsenal podcast Handbrake Off. Um, Arsenal in February. James, 3-1 against Liverpool, 6-0 against West Ham, 5-0 against Burnley, 4-1 against Newcastle. This is in the Premier League. 18 goals scored, two against. We've got an XG of uh, 11.85 <laughs> in those four games, by the way. We've become the first team in Premier League history to score two-plus goals in seven consecutive halves of football. Um, 
And here's one I like. Arsenal scored half as many Premier League goals in February as May United have all season. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, by the way, thank you, Alex and Wavery, for giving us a lo- another lovely moment uh, at the weekend. I commentated on that. <laughs> oh, my really? God. It was, wow. it was beautiful. <laughs> Genuinely beautiful. What a treat, uh, yeah. Especially after seeing uh, Bruno Fernandes have a shot and then fall over injured and then miraculously recover. Um, James... <sighs> I mean, we were talking before the break with with uh, Adrian about how much better we are. Last season, you know, we were winning games, winning game after game after game, but we weren't really in control of games. Whereas, I mean, in February in in the Premier League, we've been in very little trouble for almost the entire month. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think uh, I'd have to go back and check the results exactly, but it feels like. This point last season is where the level of control and composure was maybe beginning to slip away a bit from Arsenal. Whereas actually now they seem, this year, they look like a team who's finding their groove at this yes. point. And that's that's kind of been the big question all, all season is, can Mikel Arteta fine-tune this squad to peak at the crucial moment of the season? And I think that we're seeing... Maybe things that were planned as far back as last summer come into fruition now quite deliberately. And I think you can see it in the way that he's treating the injured players, for example. I've got a feeling that if it was last season, we might have seen Gabriel Jesus or Thomas Partey or Takira Tomiyasu or who knows, maybe even Azurian Timber pushed out on the pitch in desperation because we needed them, because we felt that sense of urgency. But now we've got the depth, we've got the confidence, we've got the form to be able to hold them off and say, look, let's not rush now because the most important bit of the season, the bit that really is kind of the only bit that really counts for anything is still to come. And I think that awareness is showing a maturity on the, on the part of Arteta that's also part of his development as a manager. And Adrian, defensively, I mean, listen, we're obviously scoring goals for fun at the moment and it's sort of weird to say that, seeing as I remember doing podcasts in December when we weren't scoring goals at all for a a couple of games. But defensively, we've allowed shots worth a combined 1.88 XG in six Premier League games. The second best defensive record in the Premier League in that time is Man City. They've given up 6.77 XG in seven games. Um are defending, and this is not just the defence we're talking about, this is as a team, the way we drop back and how compact we are. I mean, it's outstanding defensive work. It really is, yeah. No, um, it's perfect. That that stat is incredible. 1.88 v 6.7. You know, it's amazing. Shots on target faced this year, 12. Next closest is Tottenham with 22. You know, it's we're head and shoulders the best team without the ball in the Premier League. At the moment, I think the pressing has been magnificent. I really do. I think that that is at the crux of it, really. It's defending from the front. We're protecting, you know, the back four quite superbly. So, yeah, there's it's a resilience about the team. There's a, This seems like there's a real hunger as well not to let in a goal. I know that we did let, you know, we let Joe Willock score at the end there, which was frustrating. But, but in general, I think the, the attitude is spot on. So yeah, long way that continue. Look, the bottom line is if if this if this continues, if that aspect of our game continues, we, we are not going to lose many games between now and the end of the season. So you know it's it's important that that we don't drop off. And that pressing 
that you were talking about. Um, I mean, I remember when when Barcelona came to the Emirates in whenever the Arshavin goal, twenty eleven or something. And I remember that night, and what I remember vividly was how hard Barcelona worked to get the ball back when they lost it. That first five seven seconds is a similar sort of thing going on, Adrian, with us. All the best teams do it. They do. I mean, City have been brilliant at it for years. Obviously, Pep's Barcelona prior to that. And Bayern Munich, I'll never forget a game I watched oh. in the ground, Bayern Munich, when they were in their pomp. Oh, my yeah. goodness. They were they were oh. better than anyone I've seen. I was like, oh, this is impossible to play against, you know, because yes. they just, they really did suffocate us. And, and I feel like for us, it now is natural. It's not like we're forcing it. It, it, it. That's just what we do now. So it's become habit. And when it becomes habit, that's that's a, a great place to to be. So we just got to make sure we continue to do it, no matter who the opponent is, whether it's Newcastle, Man City or Sheffield United, we've got to continue to have this attitude game in, game out, because it will. Defending that way also gets you more chances. And I think we, we, we know that. And, you know, some of the goals we've scored lately have come from from really good turnovers. And James, let's talk about the Emirates. I mean, we mentioned it at the start. I mean, we used to have a have a whole thing about how quiet the fans were. I mean, it is completely different now. That I mean, we've. We, I mean, this is not the first time. Obviously, you know, I remember various Tottenham games, Man United games, Liverpool games, but the fans are turning up now, and I don't mean turning up just to sit on their seats. I mean turning up to give the uh, give the team support, and the players they really feed off that atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, w- one thing that I think underlines that is there are new songs coming up all the time <laughs> you know players suddenly are getting songs you know Bakaya Saka's obviously got a, a, a nice established song now Gabrielle his name was being sung pretty loudly that's been overdue it, it feels like there's kind of a, an ingenuity and an enthusiasm about the fans at this point in time and I think we have to give a lot of credit there to Mikel Arteta. I think he's taken a personal investment in that relationship. And I think it's something he's really emphasised in his discussions with the club. He's always been pushing them. What more can we do to generate that atmosphere? I think the Emirates Stadium it could be a real fortress for us. It's going to need to be, particularly on those European nights I mentioned. The one thing you would say is that when you look at the Premier League schedule, there are some big away games there as well. Uh, and our travelling fans are magnificent, but these are at grounds where historically we've not had the best results. I'm thinking of the Etihad, I'm thinking of Spurs, I'm thinking of Old Trafford. And if Arsenal are going to win this league, they're going to need to go and get some results at those grounds. Yeah, that is for certain. But our away form isn't bad at the moment, to be fair. <laughs> so, uh, not too bad at all. And we can't, by the way, also, while we're talking about this, I mean, sure... We thrashed West Ham and we thrashed Burnley and there was all that talk, yeah, but it's only them. Now we've, I mean, we properly battered Newcastle at the weekend and and they're a better team than the other two. So it is encouraged. Yeah, it is encouraging. Adrian, do you want to say something there? Yeah, well, I worked on that that, that, um, Man United game in the afternoon before going to Emirates and they're, they're they're miles away from us. In terms of in terms of pretty much everything that they do, they've got ta- never easy at Old Trafford. They've got talented though, players. Never. No, I know, but they've got talented players. But as a team, our framework with the ball, without the ball, is is on a different level to them. So yes. we've just got to go there and show it. And I do think if we go there with that aggressive mentality to Old Trafford, to the Etihad, 
because I think we can. I think we can go there and be hostile and upset them. And we can certainly do it to Tottenham. Um, then then we can get these the, the, these results that we need. But yeah, I, I think, I, I, I do believe in this team. I believe in us to go to these places now and get results. And, and the bottom line is, I think a few years ago, None of us believed, did we? We, that we, we? It was inevitable almost that we were going to take a pace in at some of these stadiums. But that, those days are well behind us, I think. This group knows they can do it. They've just got to do it now under pressure. Yeah, they believe it, don't they? Yeah, I, I was just thinking about the Etihad really. We're about a month away from that game. And I think when you look at Arsenal's title wins in the past, there have been some sort of big, iconic away wins along the way. My gut feeling is that Arsenal might have to go and win at City to win this league. But this is the first Arsenal team in a while where I think you can confidently say they'd look equipped to have a good chance of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they certainly believe it. Part of the reason they believe it, of course, is because Bukayo Saka <laughs> plays for us. Laid off by Declan Rice. Havertz now to Saka. Arsenal with plenty in red and white. Saka bursting in, twisting and turning and shooting. Oh, it's gone right Bukayo Saka scores again. A young man who can't stop scoring in the Premier League. Everything he touches turns to gold. Arsenal get a third. And Bakayo Saka gets his 16th goal of the season. Ah, well, I want to see world class. I really do. Yeah, I don't know whether Rio might. <laughs> Obviously, we've talked about him so much on this podcast. There's a great moment on Match of the Day, if anyone saw it, when he scored in five consecutive games. Uh, the first Englishman to do so since one Ian Wright. And there was a little picture and Wright, it was just beaming. Of course he was. I mean, I think I think he'd be happy for Saka to break every record he's ever uh, um, done, uh, right? Because because we all love what Bukayo's doing. I got a cuddle off Righty the other day. I saw him. He was um, he was at the Porto, you know, the Porto game. I was in the in the box that we film in, and he I don't know if he hired a box out, but he, he was in one of the posh boxes, basically with his mates having a, having a, a nice get together watching the game. That's how much of a gooner he is. Of course, and, um, he's a fan. Yeah, yeah we at the end I, I managed to see him, and yeah, got a nice warm warm hug. It was it was nice, despite the disappointment of that night. It was. Um, yeah, it was good to see him. Well, it, it did occur to me, watching Wrighty on Match of the Day, James, that um, Arsenal winning the title would be a fitting send-off for Wrighty's Match of the Day uh, um, <laughs> I hadn't time, considered don't you that. Think? Listen, we know Arteta likes to use these little pieces of motivation. Just saying. I'm just saying. Tell, <laughs> tell the boys, how happy, how much would you like watching Match of the Day with Ian Wright smiling from ear to ear, celebrating oh. an Arsenal title win? Go and end win those season. It's the games. full stop on the end of this season, isn't it? It's the full just, stop we need. It, it occurred to me as I was watching it at the weekend, I thought, oh my, I would be so made up for him, as would every single gooner. But on the subject of Saka, James, I mean, he's imperious at the moment. He's he, he, Again, we talked about the team taking a step up. He's taking a step up as well, hasn't he? I mean, he's, not only is he back to what he was last season, I think he's better. Yeah, he's, he's flying at the moment. He really is. And it's such a privilege, you know, to be an Arsenal fan at this time when we've got a player who's come through our own academy who's performing at that level. Uh, extraordinary, really. And there must be such a depth of pride at Hale End about the player they've produced there and the person they've produced. But um, I remember it was a couple of months ago now, towards the start of the season, there was a game where he ended up with the armband. 
And I asked Mikel Arteta about it afterwards. And I said, you know, does that signify something? Is he part of the leadership group? And he was absolutely emphatic. He was like, yes, he's now seen as one of the leaders of this squad. And to be in that position at the age he's at shows what kind of person he is and how highly thought of he is. And he's responding to it. He's delivering. He's exceeding everything he's done before. The numbers speak for themselves. So, yeah, couldn't be happier with with what Saka is producing right now. Adrian, when when, uh, David Raya bowled the ball out and he brought it down on the halfway line, killed it, cut inside, ran forward, released Gabriel Martinelli, who put in Kai Havertz, who should have scored. I mean, he made that look so easy. Right, but it's absolutely not. He is a menace every time he gets the ball. Yeah, it's the intent, I think, that, that I love because he's, he's a very brave player in possession. He, he's not afraid of losing the ball. He, he, wants to, he just wants to take people on. He wants to drive at them. And he'll receive the ball in tight areas. He'll receive a goal kick from Raya with someone up his back because he knows his touch is good enough. Nah, he's, he's tremendous. Obviously, he's, he's reached 16 goals now. He's never reached that in a in a season before and obviously we've got March, April and May to come so he's again year on year he's made incremental steps forward hasn't he and yeah I, I love the fact that he tried another right foot power blaster inside the box nearly scored it didn't he so he's really added that to his makeup as well lately so yeah we all love Saka he's brilliant <laughs> We do. Um, let's have a song to finish. Uh, James, what you got? Well, I, I mentioned there being, you know, a new breed of songs, you know, emerging from the terraces. And the one that they played at full time was uh, Voulez Vous by Aha, which obviously Saka's it's been co-opted for Bukayo Saka. So, Aha yeah. or Abba? <laughs> oh, Abba. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I didn't think, think, but then I, I questioned I my own musical knowledge. You did knowledge. say Aha. Yeah, you no, got a bit no. sort of Alan Partridge mixed up in yeah, there. We yeah, understand. I know. Yeah, but uh, Voulez-Vous by Abba. Sorry, yeah. Abba. Voulez-Vous by Abba, I've gone for <laughs> Adrian, um, you've got a chance to not be the least cool song, even though Abba is great, obviously. <laughs> what have you got for us? There's nothing wrong with Voulez Vu. I like that. Um, I like it too. Yeah. No one's having a go at Abba today. I saw it, yeah. Ellie Goulding was in the news. Uh, uh, Burn is the song. It's about sort of being on fire, being in that zone with your mates, sort of like we are, we're, we're on fire at the moment. And, and, and that's kind of what that, that song's all about. Quite a catchy little number. And, and that, I feel like that's us at the moment. We are burning. And we're gonna let it burn, 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 burn. We're gonna let it burn, 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 gonna let it burn. We are. The other thing we are is um, connected all over the pitch, really. there's. The, I love the relationships between the different players and the way it all seems to work. And so I have gone for Connected by Stereo MCs, uh, a song that I loved <laughs> yeah, good years ago. I'm gonna get myself, I'm gonna get myself, I'm gonna get myself That's it for this edition of Handbrake Off. We're back later in the week with more of this sort of thing. Thanks to James. Thanks to Adrian. And thanks to Jay, our producer. Thanks for listening. Have a good day, Gooners. I'm sure you will. Ta-da. Ta-da.